0: has for information on educational purposes only and not for the purpose of rendering medical advice. As always, information should be pulled from multiple crippled sources, crowd reference, worm you your almost accurate hypothesis, Evans, can support, always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any question regarding a medical condition. <gasps> this is the Actual PT Podcast, where actual problems mean actual evidence, producing actual results. And your hosts, Troy Lind and Taylor Flock. Hello, welcome to another week, another exciting episode of uh, the Actual PT Podcast. Uh, This is uh, Taylor, and uh, sitting across from me
1: is Mr. Troy. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, we're doing fantastic, Tyler Flocken. Doing fantastic today. It's a beautiful day out. A little windy, a little bit cloudy, but you know, that's life, you know. Just Mm -hmm. get a little bit of clouds here and there every once in a while. Life is all
0: about how you handle the clouds, man. It is. It Mm -hmm. is. It is true.
1: That's a fact of life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, uh, today we are talking about... What are we talking about today, Taylor? Well, today, I'll let you know, we are talking (laughs) about the uh, pretty common uh, issues in the shoulder. Uh, You know, real basic minor rotator cuff tears uh, or labral
1: tears, as well as a little bit of impingement. Ooh. Yeah, I know it's uh, pretty common for people out there. I know I have uh, some shoulder issues of my own there, Tyler. Oh yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, what type of things uh, do you uh, bring to the table? Uh, mine's basically just labral tears,
0: just constant labral some slaps,
1: tears. Slaps some slap lesions, as they call it. They the just time.
0: slap it onto your shoulders. Slap huh? it on there, but mm. Chuck, man, yeah. The uh, and that actually kind of really fits into uh, you know your age. It fits into uh, activities you do and everything. And we're gonna kind of jump into all that here. Uh, I wish you'd you'd educate bit.
1: me on that stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll try it. We'll we'll get to that later. We'll get to that
1: later. That'd be nice. Yeah.
0: Well, why don't you start with educating the uh, audience on just some of the basic anatomy and physiology of the rotator cuff and labrum. Now, I know we did this in far greater detail a couple episodes ago, but um, just in case people no know what?
1: No, I'm not going to do that.
0: All right, I guess I'll do it then. Um, (laughs) All right, yeah, for uh, the rotator cuff, uh, that guy just kind of... He's a collection of four different muscles. Uh, I I think when people hear rotator cuff, they think it's just like one thing, but no, it's it's a collection of four different muscles, and their job is to suck the ball into the socket and to keep it in there while uh, the you know the bigger muscles are moving the shoulder every which way. Um, They keep your literally keep it from dislocating. Yeah um and that's also kind of goes into a little bit of the function of the labrum the labrum so it kind of covers the uh, outer ring of the socket mm-hmm. it's uh, but it's soft tissue and oh, I'll have a cat yeah it uh, covers the outer ring of the uh, of the bone it's soft tissue and it essentially helps to extend that ring, and because it's soft tissue, it also helps provide a little bit of negative pressure just to suck that ball back into the socket. Glad you used that, uh, that exact terminology. I appreciate that. I, say, I, I think it's easy to understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, if you did, since you didn't want to talk about the uh, anatomy and physiology, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, age ranges for some of these different pathologies?
1: Yeah, I can do that. Uh, overall you're looking at if you're a younger human being, do you have the exact age off the top of your head there, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it's,
0: it like, um yeah, it's like younger than thirty. Thirty, that's right. Yeah, it's younger than so thirty. So if you're a
1: younger individual, you're gonna have more of the labral pathology, the instabilities, the subluxations. While the older individuals above thirty, you're thinking a lot more rotator cuffs, a lot more impingements, bursitis. Um, you're thinking a lot more, uh, DJD, uh, j- joint dysfunction. Uh, yeah, that's usually what you're looking at because when you're older, you've been through it a lot more. And it's usually it's, it's very, 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 very common in people with, uh, that do overhead work for a living mm-hmm. that are all day, every day putting, using their arms, their shoulders in a flex position. And it just causes wear and tear on those muscles that are keep it trying to keep that humoral head stable exactly and uh probably um even a little more
0: specifically uh, especially like the tendons of the rotator yeah. cuff yeah. the the part that attaches the muscle to the bone
1: mm-hmm. the bone yeah,
0: yeah. and uh there the age ranges it does get a little bit more gray like in the yeah, 30 to 40s the middle, yeah. yeah the 30 to 40s it you know it can kind of go either way but you know in, in general it's just kind of like the rule that We follow in the labrum actually has a kind of a nickname in our circles, uh, a young man's rotator cuff tear. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Just cause it's uh, so much more common for those people.
1: Yeah. And other things to think about with this are that, um, you know, is there a trauma involved, you know? yes, for sure. Is there an incident that occurs such as a, a fall or a accident, car accident, motorcycle, motorcycle, Mm -hmm. ATV, um, in which then you're even thinking of a kind of a different list of issues, more AC joint separation type stuff. Sure. Inferior as you brought up earlier to me, inferior labral tears as compared to superior labral tears, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. But.
0: Yeah, yeah. The um, if uh, a trauma is involved and it's going and the labrum is going to be torn, most likely it's going to be uh, the inferior. Yeah. And then uh, for more like just chronic overuse, you're going to be looking at more likely a uh, superior labral tear, which uh, as we were kind of talking about earlier, I think that's related to the long head of the biceps and kind so of, sure. yeah, it's tendon just kind of going in and uh, attaching there and just kind of just keeps pulling on that, keep pulling that
1: thing loose, I guess. Yeah. And I think in the first shoulder episode, we talked about the the attachment of the bicep the long head of the bicep tendon onto the labrum slightly so i don't remember if we went into i think we went into the whole slap ordeal but um yeah because it has that i mean it's just so common to injure the 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 superior portion of the labrum the most especially in athletics and Mm -hmm. uh, things like that's why hence why i have a slap lesion just very very common when you're doing a lot of uh overhead throwing sports and stuff of that nature yeah, for sure. And, uh, another thing to, uh, kind of note, I guess for listeners out there is that a lot of the times we lump a lot of them together. So as I said before, if you're younger, you're more likely to get, uh, like I said, labral tears, instabilities or subluxations or dislocations. Um, us clinically, I feel like we, which I know we're going to get into this more later. So I we don't need to get into the weeds now, but, uh, I know we just kind of lump these together because they're kind of hard. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal if it's an instability versus a laboral term. Because usually they're kind of one in the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think it goes back to one of the biggest questions we have to ask ourselves clinically uh, whenever we're evaluating a patient. Does it matter? Is it, is it going to change yeah. the way that we treat? Yeah. You know, we ruled out all the red flags so it's not something, you know, dangerous or, you know, harmful to a person's health is and then i kind of like along those same lines is it going to change the way that we overall treat I, I yeah because a lot of times the treatment for a lot of these things it's kind it's of the, the same. same yeah it's relatively same it kind of falls under a nice to know not necessarily a need to know yeah basis.
1: this i i go against this every day in the in inpatient setting Oh, I Basically, I have, especially in like the nursing home mm-hmm. or the sniff, the skilled nursing facility I work at. A lot of times, the the patient will have something going on with their shoulder, right? And I'll go in and I'll do an evaluation, and I fi- I figure out it's one of these. I mean, ninety percent of the times, based on the patient population, it's almost always the either an impingement or a rotator cuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I tell the the MD, the overseeing MD or the hospitalist, I'm like, yeah, I think they have a rotator cuff tear, like just letting them know like, yep, yeah, it is what it is. And they go, like, oh, well, do you want an MRI? And I'm like, no, because I don't really care which one it is. And I don't really care what muscle mm. in the rotator cuff's injured because I'm going to treat it all the same anyways. yeah Like I said, we're going to get to in a little bit, but I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people want like the exact specifics of, oh my, I want, what is it? Infran- infraspinatus or supraspinatus torn. It's like in the grand scheme of things, I don't, I mean, I care, right? Because I know yeah. like, what what I need to prevent mm. a lot of stress on. But a lot of that's just pain. We're using pain as our guiding tool, anyway. So, at yeah. the grand scheme of things, like as a listener, what what we're basically trying to say is, don't get caught up in needing Deep. to know exactly what's wrong with yourself. Don't need don't yeah. sit here and say, "Well, it hurts here versus here," and maybe mm. this hurts compared to this hurts. But it's in the grand scheme of things. If it's hurting, there's things you can do to improve function. Yep, and outcomes that that it almost doesn't matter which, which of these you have to a certain extent outside of obvious, obviously if you're non-operative, mm-hmm. right. If you're, if you can't lift the arm and it's killing you, you probably need surgery. But if it's like a minor thing that's been hurting you over time, this is mm-hmm. something that could be addressed through conservative measures that you don't need to know the exact specifics of it.
0: No, hundred percent. And um, kind of similar. Like I, I work in the outpatient setting. So you get people with random shoulder pains come in all the time and I can I can take a guess, you know? Yeah. Is this a labrum? Is this a rotator cuff? And to a certain degree, I can tease out, you know, maybe what muscle we're looking at, which I, I think in terms of treatment, though, the only thing that really matters with that is it our subscapularis or is it one of the other three? Mm-hmm. Be, just because the subscapularis uh, helps with internal rotation, so you would need to stress it in a different way as opposed yeah. to the external. But honestly, I mean, just... You should probably strengthen the rotator cuff in both directions regardless. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it fall, Like I said, it falls under nice to know, not need to know. If a person's still able to move their arm, you you know, especially like above 90 degrees out to the side or up in front, chances are it's not a full thickness tear. Yeah. And or or a, I guess a massive full thickness
1: tear. Yeah. And we can actually, that's a good segue into the next part. But yeah, I mean, and you're stronger normally in internal rotation anyways. Yeah. With that muscle. So... I mean, yeah. I mean, it does have different clinical implications for the therapy side of things, progressing mm-hmm. people. But yeah, overall, you, it's probably a good idea, even if it's an internal a subscap mm-hmm. tear or supraspinatus tear. I mean, you should probably still be strengthening everything else as well, anyways. E- it's exactly. Weak, so, and it's going to be weaker because it's dampened mm-hmm. down. But um, yeah, is this is probably a good spot to talk about the three tears? Right, the grades of tear, Tyler. Oh, uh, I- Tyler's grades of tear. Tyler's uh, great to tears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's basically when Taylor just said it in passing, but he's talking about a full thickness tear. Mm-hmm. As so that it's basically the rotator cuff tears are divided into three sections: partial thickness, full thickness, and complete full thickness, or what we call massive tear. So basically, you can think of it. I feel like it's easy to work back, easier to work backwards for me. Yeah, massive tear. Or a complete full thickness is if you have a rope and you just cut the rope in half. And now you mm-hmm. have two ends of a rope. There's not They're not even touched touching yeah. at all. That's <laughs> massive. Full thickness is, they call it through and through. So a large majority, the majority of the fibers are completely torn, but there's still some fibers holding it together. So it's not two separate pieces. There's still yeah. pieces of it that are still together.
0: Mm-hmm. Um kind of like you've been working on that rope with a pair of dull scissors for about 10
1: minutes yeah yeah Yeah. that's a good point yeah (laughs) yeah you've been trying to cut the darn thing but you just the scissors are 100 years old and they're not getting the job done no no um and then a partial thickness is just uh it's not it does not pass completely through the muscle or the tendon so it's just either the bursal the the surface of the bursa the articular surface of it um any any surface so you just have a partial tear of some of the fibers essentially yeah you know, yeah like you don't you can't see through the muscle essentially or tendon yeah it's only a flesh wound <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that that works i guess that applies
0: yeah maybe i, I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah just 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 a, just a surface wound a very minor tear um I mean, that thing's going to heal up. It's going to scar over. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: You're going to move on with your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I guess kind of next thing, talk about uh, some of the common
1: uh, signs and symptoms with this uh, bad boy. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be able to talk about this even more than I will in an outpatient setting. But a lot of the times what people complain about is, so a lot of them will complain of deep, achy pain and, and a lot of rotator cuff so, so these have kind of different, this is why it is slightly important for us. And this is why we kind of have a better idea of what's going on based off of just your symptoms, because rotator cuff, you're usually the tell, telltale sign is uh, pointing to the insertion of the deltoid mm-hmm. into the lateral side of the shoulder. They just point that, gosh, it's just deep in there, A yeah. right there. And in fact, I have a patient now that she said, oh, my shoulder's killing me. I did something to it two weeks ago. I'm like, okay, well, where does it hurt? And she just did that. I'm and immediately, magic finger test. Yep. Pointed to it. Oh, it just kills me right here. And then, like, up the back, you know. And that's just a huge a sign mm-hmm. of rotator cuff. Uh, for labrums and instabilities, a lot of it's just... Um, so the feeling of instability is when you're in a certain position where the uh, the shoulder is like externo, externally rotated and like flexed.
0: You, like you're about to uh, throw overhead.
1: Yeah, yeah, like you're about to throw. Like you're winding up big to throw a football mm-hmm. or a baseball. Like a lot of times when you're that kind of position, it just feels not good. It's no bueno. Yeah. It feels like unstable. It feels like almost pain. So a lot of There's- people say pain. But it's not really a pain. It's more of like a...
0: Awareness or hesitation. Yeah,
1: hesitation. Like you don't like being there. You do, mm-hmm. you want to get out of that location because you yeah. feel like it could almost like dislocate because that's mm-hmm. what it's about to do. Yeah. Um, and then for labrum, a lot of it's just really deep inside the joint. A lot of it, what I've found for me personally, it's, it's really on the front side. Mm-hmm. Like where that uh, kind of towards that anterior deltoid region, but it's just deep, deep in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a couple, you know, special tests you can do to identify obviously which one it is from this one to the other, but yeah, nothing the listener needs to worry about for that. But that's, I would say what the primary uh, ones are. Do you have anything for signs and symptoms of maybe impingement? I know it's kind of the same for
0: it. Yeah. It it kind of falls under a little bit of the same. Um, Definitely pain with like um anything kind of like going overhead. I think yeah. it's like one of the big things. Um particularly if it's repetitive, just it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And there I mean it's a pretty common school of thought too that impingement leads to kind of the more chronic uh, rotator yeah. cuff tear. Yeah. Where it the you know the tendon yeah. it just keeps getting worn down, worn down, worn down yeah. and you know, you know, kinda like working out with a pair of hundred year old scissors.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, another way to think about it is like uh, active movement pain mm. versus passive movement. Pain. Right. So you have a lot more, if you're having a lot of pain trying to lift your arm overhead, uh, whether it's you know flexion or abduction, up in front of you or over to the side, if you have pain lifting your arm, a lot of the times that's this this rotator cuff group that we talk about, the impingements, the rotator mm. cuffs. And if you have a lot of pain with just positional things, or like if somebody else moves your arm through a certain range and it hurts, or maybe you just being in a location hurts it. That's more of the labral tear, mm. uh, instability type stuff, because you have structural, mm. you have damage to non-muscular tissue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And kind of another extremely common thing that um, I see in outpatient all the time with the rotator cuff group is night pain, trouble with sleeping. Yeah. It. Yeah. It aches, it hurts, it kills you. And it's t- typically worse when you're laying on that side, but it can also hurt laying on your back or laying on mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the, I guess like the nature of it is it's not so much like a mechanical problem, like the muscles getting stretched out or something like that. It's believed to be more related to the blood supply to that tendon. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of, yeah, just getting slightly cut off. And because that thing is already injured and doesn't get good blood supply to begin with, it creates ischemia and yeah, the tissues, they don't like that. They start to ache and throb and just be extremely painful. So a lot of times when a person says, oh, man, it just kills me at night yeah. and it's a shoulder, I'm automatically kind of leaning more towards a rotator cuff. Yeah. And um, kind of building off also with uh, the location. Um, I, I've i seen deltoid uh, tuberosity or, you know, the insertion point of it to that point, fairly frequently, but I've also seen it just kind of like all around the deltoid you typically more frontward or lateral, but just in that general area, it just seems, you know, pretty, it seems pretty common. Um, and for us, like in terms of differential diagnosis um, I've yet to see in my career, a true deltoid pathology Um, that, that muscle is uh, it's, it's just resistant to that sort of thing. So I mean, outside of, you know, let's say, I don't know, a knife or something slicing that muscle, you know, like like a traumatic traumatic that's like cut and dry. I mean, in terms of chronic issues, the deltoid doesn't really run into any. So normally we've pretty well crossed that off when people are pulling to that area.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, the deltoid just has a good line of pull almost no matter where the arm is because it has anterior, middle, and posterior fibers, which I think we talked, yeah, we definitely talked about in the... Mm-hmm. first shoulder episode but just because of that i mean you don't you can't really put it at a adverse position to do its job especially yeah. with how strong and how large it is mm-hmm. and compare that in unison to how small the rotator cuff muscles are you yeah. have to do that job it just you're it's so hard to injure the deltoid without injuring the rotator cuff if you're just dis- if you're tearing up the deltoid you can almost guarantee the rotator cuff is just sh- ripped apart with it
0: Oh, no, I'd I agree with that. Because like I you agree said, it's traumatic
1: that. at that point. You've probably done something pretty drastic.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think another uh, common thing for the labrum too, um, particularly uh, the superior labrum, going back to what we were talking about with the biceps, lifting up, uh, you know, like a, let's say a bag of groceries, anything along those lines, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with the pain like just kind of like really localized to that spot. Or like curling weight up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's another really common one because, I mean, he's just kind of pulling that open flap open even farther because that's where he attaches into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that there, Tyler. Do you want to get into uh, the old treatments?
0: Um, yeah. I guess we'll jump into the treatments yeah. next. Yeah.
1: Um, so as we said, we a lot of the times for us as physical therapists, um, and don't be wrong, maybe it's just how we think too because I guess we're more big picture type therapist mm-hmm. if you like than most people are um but we were saying how we have two classifications essentially of where you're at right so if it's a rotator cuff pathology or if it's labral pathology mm. or instability and at the end of the day we st- even then like it that that's good to know because it kind of uh the intricacies of it right like what muscles were stressing when fine what, fine details yeah, the fine details of it but if you look at the whole picture of a plan of care for a shoulder injury, one of these two that comes in. So we we're saying it's non-operative. Mm-hmm. So we're saying we're going to attack this thing with conservative care, mm-hmm. and we're saying that there's no limitations on them. They have function, but it's all painful. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean, what are you looking at, Taylor? Well, the I
0: think like the two biggest things at the end of the day you got to strengthen the rotator cuff mm-hmm. and ideally through a progressive um yeah progressive stre- uh, strengthening program and then the other p- uh, component is scapular stabilization which that can be that can branch out into a couple different meanings yeah. um but probably uh, some of the big points here that's going to be important is uh this is one of those issues that it needs to be pretty well pain completely pain free Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is not something you're going to be able to muscle your way through. You have to take what your body is giving you that day.
1: And yeah, and you mean with regards to exercises and the actual interventions,
0: mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, correct. Yep. So correct.
1: movement of the shoulder. So you're going to have pain, obviously. That's why you're in the clinic. Oh, for sure. Or, or, yeah, we're talking about when you're doing your exercises. When you're mm-hmm. when you're doing your wall washes, which we should start. You know, we should get. People do that more often because that's free labor for the clinic, right? Really. Oh, yeah. I get them on yeah. the mirror. Yeah. That's yeah, what I'm saying. That's what we need to work at. Write that down. Somebody write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, we don't if, – if you keep pushing into that pain, not only are you going to keep aggravating the mm-hmm. tear that's there. Yeah. You're going to prevent the healing of it. But you're just going to cause more and more inflammation. I feel like the shoulder is one of those areas where once it's aggravated, you're not getting much progress or healing really at all out of it. It's just kind of confounds itself and it just Mm -hmm. snowballs because um, you just see so many people start to use those other poor body mechanics to try to Mm -hmm. get the job done. Right. It's just then exacerbates everything, like the shoulder hiking, trying to lift stuff up without them even knowing about it.
0: Oh, I think that's probably one of the most common things I see. And the, I think the terminology I use that makes sense for a lot of people is you're limping with your shoulder
1: yeah um
0: you know if you go to yeah if you go to like let's say reach into a cabinet you know get a glass out and hold your hand on top of a shoulder like upper trap area if that thing is lifting up into your hand that's that's a sign you're doing that incorrectly that's a sign that you're putting more stress onto those rotator cuff muscles which is just going to further exacerbate the problem so getting that corrected is uh falls under uh, scapular stabilization and mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like a neuromuscular reeducation. Yeah. It's, it is a tough thing to kind of rewire yeah. people uh, into people. And honestly, in terms of like rehabilitation of a shoulder, um, especially like post um, surgery, it's one of the hardest things to really get people to hammer back.
1: Yeah. I mean, think, well, think about it. If you're having a, a, I don't know, 60, 60- four-year-old rotator cuff patient come in Mm -hmm. right someone with rotator cuff injury how long do you think they've been doing that movement like that
0: don't get me wrong it's (laughs) been worsening right as
1: as the dysfunction or as the pain has gradually increased over time they've done it worse but i mean they probably started doing it 10 years ago and didn't even realize it oh yeah and it kind of goes back all the way to every time we reference people meatheads in the gym i mean how often when you see people rowing or so doing any form of back exercise or even any time of press mm-hmm. bench press how often do you see their their shoulders in their ears mm-hmm. how often do you see them just super tight yeah right? because they're not oh, they're not recruiting the muscles properly to mm-hmm. the posterior side of the shoulder the posterior muscles of the shoulder mm-hmm. to stabilize the humoral head where it's supposed to be
0: no exactly exactly and I mean, sometimes what I'll do to like some people who, who just, I don't know, are having trouble buying into this, like, I, I don't know if this is like that big of a deal. I'll have them lay on their backs and I'll, I'll put like some, uh, some dumbbells into their hand. I'll say, all right, go ahead and shrug your, um, shoulders up as high as you can. All right, press this weight. They'll do it. And I'm like, all right, now go ahead and pull down and pull back, pull your shoulder blades into your back pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do that, I mean, something, it's just like the light bulb goes off. They're like, I felt so much better. It was ba- essentially pain free, and if anything, I felt stronger. Mm-hmm. The part of the mechanics that I think why this starts to happening for people is the muscles around the scapula, your shoulder blades, that we want to use to stabilize. You know, um, in between the shoulder blades, and especially below the shoulder blades, lower trap. Area. Yep, lower trap. Um, those muscles, uh, they just kind of get underutilized. They become easy to fatigue. And whenever that happens, the brain says, all right, well, we have an extremely unstable joint here. We need to
1: stabilize it some way. So let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. Let's stabilize it that way. Well, think about posture too. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to our posture episode, if you're sitting flexed, rounded shoulders, shoulders up in your ears, Mm -hmm. how is your lower, lower trap supposed to do anything?
0: it, it was well, just into, going along for the ride well it's put into uh, active uh, well no passive passive
1: insufficiency, passive
0: yeah. insufficiency yeah. yeah where the muscle is so stretched out that it, it just can't
1: fire that well yeah because it's not strong it's like trying to pick up uh, a huge dumbbell with your arm fully straight like and mm-hmm. with your elbow on a table right like oh yeah now pick up 100 pounds like you can't do it but if it's right next to you and you're just lifting it like this yeah you know with your elbow like already halfway through the range of motion it's so much easier
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Um and I think um another component to the treatment we didn't we, we didn't talk about, but it's important for another reason that we'll talk about in another episode, and that is making sure to maintain range of motion. Yes. Um I think that's really, really critical just because of the fears of a of the infamous frozen shoulder. Yes, yes, which we will be talked about here in a second uh yeah yeah we're two episodes today how about how y'all like that yeah, um I like them? apples yeah yeah or are you more of a pear guy taylor what kind of what's your favorite fruit favorite fruit oh don't make me say this what is it it is apples but i'm allergic to raw apples that's
1: right i forgot, <laughs> I forgot about that how embarrassing it's it's just wait, wait it's is that more really it? your favorite fruit it is, yeah. I love <laughs> apples. I
0: love apples and what a terrible And maybe allergy is isn't the right word. Like it's a sensitivity. Like I get an upset stomach and sometimes my lips go numb, you know? I mean <laughs> it's,
1: not, it's not good. It, it's not, not
0: good. It's not good. No, no. But um I noticed I said raw <laughs> apples. I can have applesauce, apple juice, and apple pie.
1: So that's so funny. I forgot about it. I never knew that was your favorite fruit. I think mine is I wasn't probably asking. watermelon. Which a lot of people hate on watermelon, and I don't know why. I'm one of those people. Yeah, I know
0: you don't like watermelon. <laughs> I love watermelon. I, it's not that I don't like it, it's just that, I don't know, I I, I guess well, my... Well, there's other fruits, right? Like I, I are so good. Raw. Oh, oh apples, Raw
1: apples are delicious. Oh, they are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, circling back around, one thing I wanted to give a tidbit for is, uh, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with the importance of retraining those muscles, the neural re-education mm-hmm. of the rotator cuff and the uh, scapular stabilizers, et cetera. I found a... Uh, let me go to the top here. A So basically it says conservative versus surgical management for patients with rotator cuff tears. This is a systematic review and meta-analysis. Uh, the one issue about this... Oh, and it's by... If you want to look it up out there. It's by uh, Longo et al. Um... The only issue I have, and it even says this in the, uh, article is that it doesn't have a huge pool of resources. Like the, the studies they found, there was only six that they could apply to it. And of those six, it only had like a couple, I think only three of them were like apples to apples. The rest were comparing mm. raw apples to raw oranges, like you like to say, um, But anyways, in this, it was only able to find, it only had two outcome measures that were synonymous through the whole, through all studies. And that was the CMS score, which is just a pain scale score, zero to 100, and then the VAS pain score. Um, And I have never used these, but it kind of breaks it down for you and explains it to you. But essentially what it found was that for CMS scores in 12 months post-follow-up, The surgical group, as compared to the conservative group, the surgical group had an average score of 79.2, while the conservative group had 72.7. So basically what that says is the results showed statistically significant differences uh, between the CMS measures at one-year follow-up in favor of surgical rotator cuff repair compared with patients treating conservatively. And this was for full thickness. Mm. which we talked about earlier was the kind of that middle gray ground, the kind of that middle, it's like a dull b- scissors. Yeah. Dull scissors. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. really like that. Yeah. You yeah. really like that one. Yeah. Um, so basically it showed like it showed that there was improvement one year out. But what's interesting is when they went to 24 months out of follow-up, they found that uh, there was, so it was 77 for surgical group. And or sorry, 80 for surgical group and 77 for for conservative group, but that the results showed that there was not significant uh, a statistically significant difference between the CMS measures of the two year of or at two years follow-up. So basically that there was really no difference. once you were two years out, there was not a huge difference
0: mm-hmm. in
1: CMS scores. Now to take that a step further, they went into VAS scores. And they found kind of the same thing. They found that at one year, the surgical group was ahead slightly. There was a statistically significant difference where uh, the surgical group had better outcomes at this point in a Mm -hmm. pain scale. So basically, they had less pain Mm -hmm. um, as compared to conservative. But at 24 months, it didn't have data to properly pull one way or the other. So it's kind of muddier because... You would expect to see the same thing, right? Two, at 24 yeah. months out, they're kind of equaled out. But a, a very, very important thing that I thought was honestly the most important part of the entire article. It says, MRI results were reported for the surgical group at 12 months of follow-up in two studies. There were 69 patients and, uh, were included in this. 24 of those patients, or 35% of the patients, had re um and a one year follow up ooh that is a large amount of people
0: it's i mean it's not necessarily a f- flip of a coin but i mean i it's it's significant it's I mean, it's something it's it, something to at least i don't know take pause i mean slightly better um pain scales at one year one year yeah but yeah. then if
1: you're, I mean, if you're just looking at the studies here, okay, so mm-hmm. if you're just looking at the trauma of undergoing surgery, the financial ramifications of undergoing yeah. surgery in the United States, at least, which mm-hmm. is a whole joke in and of itself, healthcare system. Anyways, um, I mean, you look at all that and you're having a, you have a 35% chance of a retail.
0: That's rough. And I mean, for me, I'm, I'm just going to like speculate what I wonder is, is if the conservative group, they spent more time really hammering out, you know, such as the limp in the shoulder, some of the scapular stabilization aspects and, you know, just the neuromuscular coordination for like individual tasks. I wonder if they were able to spend more time hammering that sort of stuff out. And that's why that group, uh, you know, I guess the conservative group didn't necessarily have, um, Further tears or whatever,
1: um, well, what, be,
0: or, or did they did they look at that?
1: Well, I don't. That's the thing. It doesn't say whether. I don't think they had the evidence on retails in the in the conservative group because it would have just been. And there's exacerbation. What they're there for, you know? We don't ex- have ex- ex-
0: exacerbation.
1: What's already there? Yeah, because we. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really have imaging for that. I mean, you, they yeah. all imaging was done in this to identify the original full thickness tear. Mm-hmm. But at that point, the re-imaging only occurred, I think, in the surgical group. Okay. So it's hard to say. For it doesn't. We don't have a number for the conservative yeah. group. But I mean, it, it kind of makes sense if you just think about if pain scores are lower at one year mm-hmm. for surgical patients, the surgical mm-hmm. group but all they're doing is re, is repairing the tissue but think about it now you're just you're you're returning to you're returning to your prior level of function quicker but that means you have less time to address mm. the actual issues that were occurring it's kind of like the, yeah. i think we i've used this analogy before where i mean it's like when you you keep putting on chap chapstick on your chapped lips instead of just rehydrating yourself and drinking water <laughs> like you're just going to keep you like Mm -hmm. you're not taking care of the issue i mean you had a rotator cuff tear for a reason true whether it was i mean don't be wrong it's not always biomechanically the fault, Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it might just be um it could be like this they could have very well came from a traumatic incident or something in this study but at the very same time a majority of them are going to come from those chronic just terrible biomechanics yeah complete lack of uh lower trap activity complete lack Mm -hmm. of uh, scapular stabilization. So in fold, why wouldn't it retire?
0: Right. Maybe well, su- increased
1: mm-hmm. susceptibility to it.
0: No, for sure. And a lot of biomechanics, I think something a lot of people don't necessarily think about going into most surgeries is a lot of those biomechanics, they, they just kind of like fall to the wayside after a trauma, espe- especially yeah. a significant trauma. Yeah. And yeah. our, um, I remember our professor, uh, had you know, this great saying, our body does not know the difference between a skilled surgery that is repairing something and an ax attack. Yeah. It does not know the difference. I do
1: love that one. I, I, I say that to patients every day.
0: I normally say bear attack because no, of where say, we are. I say, oh
1: yeah, it does say actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I like ax attack. It just sounds more brutal in effect. It gets better response.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, our body doesn't know the difference between the two. Um, and following surgery, things like proprioception, just... It, falls to the wayside a little bit and making sure that those things are fully rehabilitated and that the person is addressing the main thing that caused it to begin with. Yeah. It's, I think it's imperative.
1: Well, and just, I guess this is just what I thought of just now, actually. But, uh, so compare when, when you have an eval right on your schedule Mm -hmm. for shoulder, they walk into your office post-surgical, rotator cuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: now compare that to someone that walks into your office uh conservative maybe the same amount of pain the same whereabout that it's rotator cuff whatever but think about how drastic your initial therapy sessions are drastically different they are oh it's huge when they come in post-operatively i mean we are we have our tissue healing constraints so we have uh we can't do this range of motion you can't do this active mm. this passive Yep. Uh, because of what they saw in there. So this person can only go within, I don't know, thirty degrees of external rotation, internal rotation. Uh, can only passively go up to ninety degrees of flexion or one hundred twenty degrees. Like all yeah. these limitations, as compared to the other person, where we're like, we're, we don't. I don't even need to address a lot of these painful. We're just going to keep you out of pain, and we're mm. going to get start working on everything else. Yeah, I mean, I know I work on scapular stabilization first day. Oh, for sure. Scap sets, uh, go, lower track activation. Get them in. Yeah, passive range going. of motion, uh, like wall washes, and mm-hmm. like, so active assisted or passive. Like, yeah. like don't get me wrong, we're still moving it all the same. But I mean, just from that standpoint, think about how one we're dressing the everything around the issue mm-hmm. raft bat. The other one, we're just super worried about maintaining range of motion in these forty degree windows.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean. I guess uh, for I guess all the people at home, when patient first comes in post operatively, it's all passive. The patient pretty well they're Can't they're just they're they're just hanging out. They yep. the only things that they can do are movements where no muscle around the shoulder are activating. Mm-hmm. So typically we'll Probably move so. their shoulder a lot, um, they, or we'll show them how to do it themselves to a certain degree. But yeah, and sometimes even things like scap setting it that can or or not, not scap setting, um, just scapular retraction with depression. I mean, even that can be too painful for some people.
1: Post-surgically. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Post-surgically. Yeah. A lot of them when they get cut up, yeah. They're just like, Oh, and then a lot of them have increased stiffness with the sling, you know, like somehow oh, we're getting yeah. cervical. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of patients that have some cervical involvement because of, mm-hmm. well, first of all, you know, their head's in a weird place while on the treatment table for an right. hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, yeah, I mean, they have a sling pull on them, and then they're, like, guarded. Oh, I feel like yeah. they're way more guarded than if you see people walking in off the street. Oh, well, easily. Oh, yeah, they're just, I mean, why wouldn't you be, right? You're just right. Kind of freaking, you got bear mm. attacked, like you said. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, and, you know, I like I like that you brought up the cervical, because very frequently, um, regardless of whether they're post-op or conservative, um, more times than not, I have to do a little bit of stuff around the neck. Um and for the people at home, if you want to take a look at this, just uh, throw into Google images, uh, posterior uh, or shoulder and neck musculature, just throw that into Google. And it's incredible just the number of muscles that go directly from one to the other. And mm-hmm. so whenever there's trouble in one, the brain will just try to, you know, spin will send off a red alert. Everything will just kind of like really tighten down and lock up. And I've even had it before where, um, after doing a little bit of treatment on the neck, patients, uh, passive range of motion improves, like their tolerance Mm -hmm. to it improves. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it interesting, but yeah, it's just kind of like another little side note.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I fact big is just getting that nervous system to, uh, become less sensitized, become less sensitive mm-hmm. to movement, less sensitive to, Absolutely. to everything and just getting it to calm down. And that's why another huge benefit to the conservative route is you can do things such as dry needling and, you know, you mm-hmm. can do more manual and stuff right. like that, which allows us to really take our hand, like uh, deal directly to the nervous system with input and everything like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, and honestly I love it when a patient gets to start conservatively. Um, yeah, just so that at at bare minimum, if they still need to have the surgery, like they 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 just aren't getting the results that they need. At least they're whenever they first start therapy with you, they already know what's going to happen because you're going to tell them what's yeah. what's going on, and also they're going to have in their um, repertoire better uh, rotator cuff strength starting out, um, as well as a better idea of like what therapy is going to look like down the road. Um, and, yeah. you know, yeah. when they come in that first day, you know, they're ready to get to work.
1: Yeah. They've already, you've already given them exercises they're going to be doing at home. Or mm-hmm. At the very least, you know, things like cervical range of motion, identifying that they're going to be more guarded, mm-hmm. trying to rely. I mean, yeah, just postural things alone that they'll be mm-hmm. working on before they even, subconsciously before they even walk into your office the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: after, after the surgery for the first time.
0: Yeah. It's, it. It just kind of raises the, um, I guess, like the difficulty of the initial, yeah. especially that first week, if yeah. you don't get to see them at all prior to the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
1: feel like that honestly goes for almost any I, surgery. I, I, like, I just want like, prehab. I, I, I know. Especially yeah. for knees mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, uh, yeah. ACLs. I've had a couple at my last clinical, we had a couple ACLs and knees that we got to work out prehab before they went and got cut up. Oh my. It's just light years different they come out and they're already talking to you they're talking to you about Mm -hmm. noticing uh more tension on once you know here versus there or oh "Oh, yeah i was trying to do my exercises and i could only do these ones and you're like well you're already better off than half the people that walk in the door because they Mm -hmm. don't even know what exercises to do no no um
0: i mean a lot of times I mean, especially depending on time of year and how busy his schedule is, you know, um, it could be a week. Exactly. And that person is just sitting there Staying collecting, there collecting more swelling, yeah. not sure what's going on, feeling uneasy, more anxious. Um, I mean, the prehab experience really cannot emphasize that enough. Yeah. Really it's, cannot.
1: It's amazing. Especially, I think like ACLs, especially, I mean, it's just so, it's just such a difficult rehab process oh and it, it can More be so, delicate it can yeah.
0: be so painful those first couple days and people are like is this normal is this okay and
1: oh and yeah. i and we haven't even gone down the rabbit hole on labral repair uh oh yeah like post-surgical uh treatment it is a bear i have a i, have, I mean obviously i've seen a bunch of patients but i have a buddy right now that had it done and it is a bear he's <laughs> like it is he's still through the phase where it's like shoulder's not near where it needs to be. And I'm like, it's tough, man. It's because they limit you. I mean, oh, they well, have to limit you so much for that mm-hmm. repair. Oh, yeah. You can't move that shoulder hardly for how long. And then you finally get to start moving it, and everything's tight, mm-hmm. weak, yep. turned off. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a bear of a of a surgery. Well, yeah, yeah. Or I should the, say, the, oh, I, 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 is a bear of a treatment, mm-hmm. of a recovery.
0: Probably... I would think probably more rotator cuff repair versus labral. Yeah, I just yeah
1: mean, yeah yeah, yeah. Know, but yeah, but,
0: yeah but yeah yeah. Um, well, I th-
1: I think that that's all I really wanted to kind of go over yeah, for uh, you think, know just kind of like I the general train, rotator cuff. I, I think so. I think uh, I think we've talked about enough raw apples on this episode.
0: <laughs> raw apples, and we've really separated them from the uh, raw oranges for sure.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh, I like pears. Pears are good. Do you like pears? pairs pairs are fair pairs are fair fair yeah pairs are fair yeah we're gonna end this because i don't want to even talk to you anymore uh, uh yeah same yeah so nothing else to add tyler uh no nothing else to add i think we
0: gave a lot of the good little snippets there um, yeah, i think
1: so too uh do you want to tell the uh <laughs> listeners to do something um do you want to tell them something
0: Guess, i guess i can to always do something to always um, be classy. Um, what stay nation, classy. What nation, um, the actual PT nation? Nation. Nations or nation? Correct.